When I was a teenager, um, most people would think of me as being a um, very uh, compliant person um, during that period of time in my life. Um, I was sort of like uh, known as a teacher's pet. Um, that's just who I was. Um, some people called me a, a, a butt kisser, and they had another word for it. And um, I mean, that's just how it is, or a brown noser, that kind of thing. And, and, and they, they would give, give me and tease me. And yet there were, when I went to school, um, there were certain rules that I did not like. I didn't think it was really necessary to check into homeroom every, every day. Because I knew if I checked into homeroom, that means my teachers would check to see if I was there. And, and if I had just skipped homeroom, they wouldn't think I was there, and therefore I wouldn't be skipping a class. So during, if you were to check my, um, uh, my uh, senior year of high school, you would find out that I missed 45 days of school, a quarter of school. Because I didn't like the rule. I, I, you know, push aside. And for me, for me as a, as a person who's the rule follower, you know, butt kisser, nose, brown noser kind of thing, is that this was my rebellion. Because as any teenager, as any teenager, we equate rebellion with freedom, don't we? We think the more I can rebel, the more free I will be. The more that I can go against the flow, the more, and it was my way. I, I'd show up for the important class, classes like calculus and, and biology too, and, and you know, English and social studies, economics, those things. And I would skip unimportant classes like gym, lunch, study hall, and um, chemistry lab. I mean, I just, just did. And I, that's, that's what I did, Okay. I was going to get an A in that course anyhow. The teacher loved me. Uh, it's just the way it is. Now, as adults, we, we, don't, we don't look at it the same way because, uh, because rebellion, we look, at, we look at jailhouses and we see all kinds of people in jailhouses who have rebelled. And so we get a little bit more sophisticated about it. For we have this twist. There's a little twist that adults have, and it's called this. If I disagree with the rule, I'm free to disregard it. If I disagree with a rule... I'm free to disregard it. And so this is what adults do. There's a rule out there. We disagree with it. We disobey it. We ignore it. We disregard it. If we don't agree with it, if it doesn't line up with the way we think it should be, we push it aside. So, so think of it. 45 mile an hour on the interstate. Juliet, Right? Come on, my car can go fa- faster than that. It was made for cars to go 70 miles an hour around that. It's just, that's a stupid rule. So therefore, what do I do? I disagree with it, and I disobey it, and I drive faster through there, right? I mean, how many of you drive 45 through there? Come on, be honest. Okay. All right, we got a rule follower. All right. I mean, I mean, it's just one of those rules. That's what adults do. I mean, we, we, we have these rules. We disagree with the rule. We, we, we disobey it. A danger to the rest of us. April, April 12th. April 12th, you're looking through your receipts. You come across, you need a couple thousand dollars more of deductions to bring down your, down your tax, tax liability. You look at it. You look at this one receipt, you go, this ought to be a deduction. This ought to be. I disagree with this rule. It ought to be. If the IRS was smart, if they weren't so stupid, they would know that this rule, this ought to be a deduction. So what do you do? You disregard it. You disregard the rule, and you take the deduction. They won't find out anyhow. they got to go after bigger fish than me. I know that surfing on the net is against company policy during work hours. But it's a stupid rule. 
I mean, think about it. The smokers get a smoking break. Why, why can't I have an internet break? All I want to do is check the socks. And so what happens? Because I disagree with the rule, I disregard the rule. And see, this, this is a big twist, isn't it? It's this big twist. Now, see, authority is a great idea when I'm the one in authority. I mean, I, I, I love being the authority whenever I'm the husband of, of a wife who was taught in her home that the wife submits to her husbands. I mean, it's a great thing. I love being the authority whenever, they, whenever I'm the dad and there's little people around and I can tell them what to do because I'm bigger than them. Not anymore. They're bigger than me. But I mean, I mean, we really, really, and that, and that, I mean, we like to be the authority. I like to be the authority when I'm the head of an organization. I also like authority whenever they support me. I like the police when I can call them to help me out. I don't like the police when they're chasing me, right? I mean, really, that's how it is. I like the police when I can call them, but not when they're chasing me. And when it comes to authority, our first line, the response to the authority is, what are they requiring me to do? What do they want me to do? What am I supposed to do? What are they requiring of me? What is it? And if I disagree with the what, then I'm free to disregard it. And I don't feel guilty about it because it's a stupid rule. It doesn't make sense to me. I disagree with it. There's no guilt behind it. There's, you know, as long as I don't think I'm going to get caught, there's no really emotional part to it. I just disagree with the rule. And this, is, this, in, this, here, this here, this big twist impacts every area of our lives. Oh, it is subtle. It is so subtle. As teenagers, we look at the rules, we disregard it. We say to ourselves, what's this rule? Only, I'm 16 years old, what's this rule about uh, um, only having one teenage non-family member? I have a minivan. I can stick 12 back there. So I go and I get my buddies. It's okay, it's a stupid rule. Open container law? Come on! How does an open container affect the way I drive? And this drinking and driving thing, what are they thinking about? That's for mere mortals, not for 16-year-olds like me who are smart and bright and who are sharper than the rest. What are they thinking? I disagree with the rule. Therefore, I'm free to disregard it. It's about the husband and wife who agree not to spend over $100 that isn't, uh, you know, the regular bills. And the wife says to herself, even though I agree with it then, but in the moment, while shopping, with 40% off, I can get the dress, the shoes, and, and the matching purse for $450. What's the big deal? What's the big deal? It's a stupid rule. So I'm free break it. This rule, this, this twist impacts every area of our lives. It impacts our relationships at work, at school, our finances. For what us, it's all about the what we are asked to do. And if we agree with the rule, I'll follow it. If I disagree with the rule, guess what? I'm free to disregard it. 
But how does God look at it? How, how do, when we look at God and we look at his word, how does God look at it? And so I want us to, to, to look at scripture. Scripture approaches it from a whole different lens. We're going to look in the cha- Romans chapter 13. Now, Romans chapter 13 follows Romans chapter what? 12. Okay, that wasn't a, wasn't a trick question. Okay, Ro- Romans chapter 12. In Romans chapter 12, verse 1, what does it say? In the view of God's mercy, right? right? In the view of chapter 12, verse 1, view of God's mercy, it's not up there, so you can just go back to where, you, know, you don't need to follow it. Because view of God's mercy, he looks at it a completely different way. He says, for God is not about the what. It's not about the what. Authority is not about the what. It's about the who. And not the band. Okay? It's not about the what with God. It's about the who. Now, it's important for us to get the context of the Roman letter. The Roman letter is written by Paul the Apostle. Right around 57 to 59 AD, probably from the, um, the pla- place called Corinth, where, the, where he, he was working at at the time. And he's writing it to the church at Rome. It's a little tiny church. There isn't a whole lot of Christians there. And guess who's on the throne during this time period? Nero. You, have you heard of Nero? Remember he played his fiddle while Rome burned, right? You know the story. Um, Nero wasn't a guy who really was, um, I mean, besides being a whack job, um, he, he, was, he wasn't a guy who was very friendly to Christians, a matter of fact, after Rome burned, what he did was he put the blame on Christians, and what he would do with them is once he found Christians, is that he would have them dipped on or painted on um, wax or tar upon their bodies, and then he would put them, whenever he was having a party, up on top of um, a pedestal kind of thing, and then he would light them alive. When he's saying, you light up my life, he meant, okay? He meant it. So, 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 so remember, this is the context. This is, the, this is an imperial government where you have no vote, where you have no say. And this is what he says in the first verse. Look at the first verse. Romans chapter 13, verse 1. Let's look at it together. Everyone must submit himself. Everyone must voluntarily, every Christian must voluntarily submit him or herself to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except with that which God has established, the authorities that exist have been established by God. Now, now, now surely he's talking about religious authority here, right? No, no, no. He's talking about government authorities. He's talking about good authorities and bad authorities. He's talking about those who are kind to their people. And he's talking about those who are mean to their people. Remember, Nero is the emperor. Nero is in charge. And then he's telling you, know, you imagine this, the Roman Christians are looking at this for the first time. And they're like, What's this about? What is this about? And then he says this crazy thing. He says, God establishes all these authorities. As a matter of fact, just in case they didn't get it, he repeats it. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Ooh, hate that. You mean even the bad ones? Even Nero? Yeah. Even the bad ones. Even Nero. See, because God can work through all authorities, good and bad. Righteous and evil. 
We're going to look at, at the end of this message, about just give you some examples about how God uses human authority to accomplish his will, whether good or bad. Now, here's a subtle thing. If I rebel against the authority that was instituted by God, then who am I really rebelling against? Who am I really rebelling against? God. I'm not rebelling against the authority. I'm rebelling against God. Look at, look at what Paul says. Verse 2. He says, Consequently, he who rebels against the authority is rebelling against God. This is not a trick question. There it is. Okay? There it is. What God has instituted and those against that which God has instituted and those who do so bring judgment on themselves. God has established the authorities in your life. He's established the authorities that exist in your life and in my life. And if I'm going to, not going to obey this rule, because this stuff is, we, this is what we say to ourselves, I'm not going to obey this rule because this stuff is irrelevant to my relationship with God. That's what we say. We say that this has nothing to do with my relationship with God. It's, it, it, it's different. It, it's something else. It is, I, I have this spiritual thing going on with God, and this, and this temporal thing, this, 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 this human thing, it really has nothing to do with my relationship with God. No, no, no. Adam and Eve rebelled against the who when they did the what. See, here, here, here's what I want you to get. Your attitude and response to authorities that you can see is a reflection of your attitude towards your heavenly Father who you cannot see. Let that sink in a little bit. Your attitude and response to the authorities that you can see, that you can see, is a reflection of your attitude and your response to your heavenly Father who you cannot see. We want to divide the two things. And the more money we have, and the more power we have, the more likely we're to fall into this. When we lived in Oklahoma, a little town called Coyle, Oklahoma, the sign out front said, it's not the end of the world, but you can see it from here. All right? There was a guy there, his name was Mr. Mac, Mr. McAnally. He was probably the most influential, and I would dare say the richest man in the community. We had a, you know, a deputy dog um, sheriff there who was also the civil defense coordinator for our area. And the Cimarron River had backed up. Remember, Tina? Remember the flood? And the river had backed up. And everyone was standing as the river was coming in. And the sheriff, the civil defense authority, made a decision that at this point in time, no one will go into that area, into the watered area where the water was standing because he, he thought it was too dangerous. The water was, was moving really fast at the time, but he just thought, you know what, we can't do it. But Mr. Mack, guess what? He, I mean, he, he came to church every Sunday morning. The most influential, the richest guy, powerful, decided... Sheriff, 
Mr. Fife, <laughs> I can do what I want to do. And see, his reflection and his attitude towards the authorities over him impacted his relationship with God in Jesus Christ. See, it's not about the what. It's about the who. Let's continue on, verse 3. For rulers hold no terror for those who do right, but for those who do wrong. Do you want to be free from the fear of one, one in authority? Then do what is right, and he will continue. He will commend you. Now, see, we often will obey rules. Why? Because we might get caught, right? That's why we obey rules. Now, 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 I want you to listen to this. If you are in authority, listen to this. Um, uh, you know, whether you're a boss, whether you're the manager, whether you're um, uh, maybe a, a person in uh, the police department or law enforcement, or you're a teacher, listen to this. Verse 4. For he is God's servant to do good, but if you do wrong, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword for nothing. He is God's servant, an agent of wrath, to bring punishment on the wrongdoer. So whenever you look at your t- you know, the teachers, guess what? You are God's agent. See that? Bosses, you are God's agent. Our mayor is God's agent. Our president is God's agent. Our, our uh, uh, governor is God's agent. And if you are in a leadership role and you have authority, whether you're a husband or dad or mom, whatever, you, you are God's agent. You are God's servant. Why does Paul say this? Why does he say this? Because he understands something. He understands that God works through human authority, good and bad. God works through human authority, whether they are good or bad. As Americans, we push back from that, right? right? I mean, we, we, we were raised uh, in a country that, that started off in a revolution, right? Right, right? Isn't that what we, I mean, we, we have that rebellious spirit in us. It's part of our DNA. I was talking to a guy this, this week, and he said, you know, I don't, I don't submit authority. They've got to earn my respect. That's just straight out. Got to earn it. It's not about the what. It's about the who. And if you're in, a, in authority, you are God's agent, God's servant. It's the way God works. And in just a few minutes, I'm going to be telling you how in Scripture we can see how it works. Let's look at verse 5. Therefore, it is necessary to submit to all authorities, to the authorities, not only because of the possible punishment, but because of conscience. See, if we obey only because of, of possible punishment, we're not following God's way. See, I know that during the school year, that Illinois Highway is a bad road to drive on, right, whenever the school's in. You don't want to speed. You don't want to come over this hill fast because they're sitting in our church parking lot during the school year. Now, they don't sit there during the non-school year. I know because I'm here. Okay? But during the school year, they're here. So I could not, you know, I'm not going to speed during the school year. That's what we say to ourselves. I'm not going to speed during the school year. Why? Because I might get caught. But as Christians, we need to take it to a higher level. 
as Christians, it needs to be because of conscience, because it's the right thing to do. Because being obedient to the law of the land is being obedient to God because it's not about the what, it's about the who. The reason cheating is wrong is because of conscience. When your parents give you a curfew, and you disagree as a teenager to obey that, to obey that curfew, right? It's because you obey it as a Christian, because it's the right thing to do, and you fill in the bank, even if, even if, because it's the right thing to do. And if you and your spouse agree on something as a rule for your family, you don't break it because why? It's the right thing to do. And as a Christ follower, it's a matter of conscience because it's the right thing to do. Now Paul gives an example. Here's his example. Or something. Therefore, he says, it says this. This is why you should pay taxes, for the authorities are God's servants who give their full time to governing. Paul, 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 what are you talking about? Don't you understand the tax system in Rome? You have no idea what it's like. And we've all, we've all complained about taxes, haven't we? They're always too much. Always too much. Now, Paul really hits a, hits, a, hits a tough spot here, doesn't he? I mean, he really hits a tough spot. And we complain about our taxes. You know, in America, if you don't pay your taxes, what do you get? A letter. In Rome, if you don't pay your taxes, guess what happened then? You got a visit. And a visit is much worse than a letter. Much, much, much worse. Because see, in America, whenever you don't pay your taxes, they don't come to your house and start selling off your possessions. They do not come to your house and start selling off your wife. In America, they don't come and start selling your children into slavery when you don't pay taxes. But in Rome, they do. In Rome, you don't pay your taxes. You get a visit. And not only do they sell your property until it's pay- paid, the debt's paid, your wife, your children, and then they pay- sell you into slavery. Hmm. That doesn't happen in America. And yet, Paul tells these people who are in Rome, who have the potential of getting their children sold off into slavery, to say, guess what? Pay your taxes. Even if it's not just. You don't pay taxes because they are just You pay taxes because to cheat on your taxes is to cheat God's authority because they are God's agent. When we refuse to be under human authority, we are refusing to be under God's authority. When we refuse, and I know some of you are going, oh, Jeff, say this. See, some of you say, I can do what I please, All right? Some of you are saying that. And it's in your heart. It's in your heart. And you think that you're still under God's authority whenever you're you're walking outside of God's authority. You know what? You're not. And if you're not under God's authority, you're not under God's protection. If you do not have God's authority in your life, you do not have God's protection in your life. So don't be complaining to God that, that things aren't going your way because he's not protecting you, because you're walked out on him. Woo! I'm starting to preach. See, you've got to keep this in mind, that God works through human authority. Good authority and bad authority. 
And when we live with this twist, when we live with this twist that I dis- when I disagree with a rule or a law, then I can disregard it. Know what happens? Eventually you go and you look at this book. And you come across a rule or a command or a law, and guess what you do? You throw it out. Because you disagree with it, and you disregard it, and you disobey it. That's what happens. That's what we all do. If we live with this idea that I can disagree with the law, and I'm therefore I'm free to disregard it, eventually we go to this book and we do the same. I mean, sometimes whenever you're under authority, you're wondering yourself, what's God up to? What is he up to? Think about this. You're looking at the Israelite situation. They're in Egypt. They're under slavery. Children are being boys, little boys, baby boys, when they're born, they're being thrown into the Nile River. And you look up to God and you say, God, do something. You know what God says? Back, I am doing something. I'm building a nation. And maybe you see Jesus there. He's in front of Caiaphas, and, and they're lying, and the authorities, these religious authorities are lying about him. And then you, know, you watch over, and he goes over to Pilate, who wimps out, who has Jesus scourged and beaten. And you say to yourself, God, do something. And God says, yes, I am doing something. I'm saving the world. See, God is up to something in your life. But when you decide you're going to walk out from under God's authority, you're going to miss what God's up to. You're going to miss what God's up to. But you know what? You're smarter than God. You know better. You're sharper. You're, 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 you're the queen. You're the king. You know better. And so you walk away. And you're outside of God's authority. And you're not letting God do the thing that he wants to do in your life. As Christians, we should be the best citizens in America. Does that mean we never question authority? Of course we question authority. We ought to question authority. It's fine for us to question authority. But we're not free to ignore it or disregard it or disobey it. Question authority. Yeah, it's okay. I get questioned all the time. It's okay. Don't like it. It's okay. I've got teenagers. They question my authority all the time. I've got you. You question my authority. See, questioning authority isn't bad. And see, sometimes you're saying, well, what if, what if, what if uh, uh, dad asks his son to um, rob a bank? I, I can see your mind's going that way. Know what you do? You appeal to the next higher authority. That's what you do. You appeal to the next higher authority. And some of you need to appeal to the next higher authority. And some of you need to appeal to God because he is the highest authority. So what do you do with this? What do you and I do with this, this, this stuff? Well, some of us need to write a letter. Some of us need to write a check. Some of us need to call a lawyer. So we can do something, pay back those back taxes, and nobody needs to know about it because there's an amnesty fund out there, you know? You're going to have to apply this. 
For us to disregard God's law, because we, or the laws of human beings, we disregard them. To do that is to disobey God. Your attitude and your response to the authorities that you can see is a reflection of your attitude and response to your Heavenly Father, whom you can't see. Jesus had the same type of wrestle with God. Jesus, look at Hebrews chapter 5, verse 7 and 9. During the days of Jesus' life on earth, he offered prayers and petitions with loud cries and tears to the one who could save him from death, and he was heard because of his reverent submission. Although he was a son, this is talking about Jesus, he learned obedience from what he suffered. And once made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation for all who obeyed him. Did Jesus struggle with the what God was requiring of him? Did he? Yeah, absolutely. He struggled with the what? God, if their father, is there some way for this cup to be passed from me? May it be so, but not my will, but yours be done. But he trusted the who. And you might be in a situation where you're questioning the what. Question the what. But submit to the who. Submit to the authority above you. Jesus obeyed the who, even when he struggled with the what. And because he obeyed the who, he did the what. And because of that, eternal life, Jesus became the source of eternal life for all who obey 